Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. The farmer one day found an eaglet's egg and he picked it up and, and took it over to the hen house and put it under one of his hens. And when all the eggs were hatched, the little eagle was hatched with all the other little chickens. And of course, immediately the mother hen begins to rear her chicks as she often does. And the little eagle was treated exactly the same. And as he continued to grow, he assumed he was just a part of the family. He was another chicken among chickens. And so he began to learn the things that all little chickens learned, to go around the barnyard and peck for worms. And, and then when it came to flying, learned to fly maybe a few feet, first at very awkward, and then he got pretty good at flying only a few feet at a time. And this is the way he continued to live, just following the, the role of all the other chickens. And then one day, when he was much older, he looked up in the sky and he saw a beautiful, majestic bird riding on the, on the winds. And he turned to one of his friends and he said, who is that or what is that? And his friend said, oh, he said, that's, that's an eagle. They're birds of the sky. He said, we're chickens and we're birds of the ground. After the old eagle heard his friend tell him that that was a bird of the sky and he was a bird of the ground, there was a part of him that had been caught in that moment of seeing that bird in the sky that ignited a longing in himself. To fly a few feet, to eat worms, the worms had never satisfied his hunger and the flying never seemed to be enough. And he suddenly realized that he was facing a decision in his life. And that decision really was, do I continue to go on with life as I've always lived it, or do I do whatever it takes to fly like that bird? And so he began to ponder that, and he made a decision. He would rather try to fly like that bird than to simply accept the way he had been living. And so that's the decision he made, to fly. And his life was changed forever. Powerful little story, huh? Powerful little story. The eagle and the chickens. And uh, there, was one little, there was one little scene in there, this little still from that video. And uh, Jesus came to demonstrate what life living under the dominion and leadership and rulership of heaven looked like. He showed his disciples what this looked like. And yet, you know, 2,000 years later, I feel like the church has, through time, maybe found itself more like this grounded eagle than the flying eagle that it was made to fly. And so I feel like God really wants us to, much like that grounded eagle, 
feeling like, man, there's, there's this desire in my heart, there's this yearning in my heart to fly like that eagle. And it's because that you've been made and designed by God in his image. There's this desire in all of us that desires to fly like that eagle. But we know that we're kind of surrounded by a bunch of chickens in kind of the pagan world. And we just kind of get influenced by that. And just kind of, we just don't want to stand out. We don't want to kind of be other than what we kind of, you know, the people that we were kind of raised up around. But Jesus wants to grab your attention and say, son, daughter, I have made you to fly. So maybe leave the kind of old patterns that I'm going to, through this kind of series, unearth. And I'm going to put a whole new way of living, a whole new way of seeing in you in this next season. But you and I and all of God's people, we need a functional understanding. Where do we kind of start with this? I think we need a functional understanding of our position in Christ. We need to have a functional understanding of our position in Christ as God's redeemed sons and daughters. And if he's given us this new position as his disciples, what does that look like for our daily life? What does that look like in our daily life? How are our patterns Or maybe we can look at some patterns that Jesus instilled into his disciples that we can maybe hit the refresh button on and maybe God would capture our attention, our affection for our life in this season. So uh, let me pray and then we'll dive in about our position in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word and the anchoring compass it is in this sea of chaos that we are born in. And Father, I pray that no matter where we're at with you, God, that you would grab our heart and our mind. God, if there's any calluses from any wounds or any traumas or any things that the world has bestowed upon our life, God, I pray that you would speak to us in a way that only you can, through your Holy Spirit, into our hearts. So, Lord, have your way with us, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, one of the things that uh, Jesus was identified as, he was identified as having God's authority and power. We see this in Luke 4, 36. It says, all the people were amazed and said to each other, what is this teaching with authority and power He gives orders to evil spirits, and they come out. The Pharisees were shocked at the authority and power that Jesus embodied and carried out and lived out, and that shocked them. They hadn't seen anything like that. And so they're they're pondering, they're asking questions among one another. How is this that he has the authority and the power to do what he's doing? And then as you read the Gospels, likewise, you find that Jesus, in Luke 9, he actually gives the same phrase, authority and power, over to his disciples. Luke 9, 1, it says, He called his twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Jesus deputized his disciples to do the same things he was doing. In John uh, 14, 12, Jesus actually gives a promise. It's not up there, but... It's like, hey, because I I go and I send the Holy Spirit, you're going to do the same things I'm doing in even greater works. And so while God's authority and power inseparately related 
there's a distinct difference. Authority, let's define our terms here. Authority is the right to rule. Authority is the right to rule. Authority is based on a given position, and this position gives that person the right to rule within the limits and scope of a designated jurisdiction, right? So, for example, a police officer has a uh, jurisdiction of authority within a certain precinct as defined by the government of the land, but he would not have any authority with his badge if he were to go to other cities or other countries and say, hey, I'm a police officer. And it's like, well, you may be, but not here. Your jurisdiction is back home. You're outside your jurisdiction. You don't have authority here. Likewise, the officer couldn't march into a battalion headquarters at a military base and start directing soldiers. That would be outside his or her realm of authority. Jesus knew his realm of authority, and he had the right to rule. Power, on the other hand, is the ability to rule. So one gives you the right, the position, the jurisdiction, and power is the ability to carry it out, to walk it out, to execute it. God extends his power to believers to exercise his authority, his authority, not yours, on earth, to continue his ministry. And that's why, after his, as his, uh, why at his ascension, he instructed his disciples in the 120 not to go anywhere. It's an interesting command that Jesus gives. You think after his crucifixion and resurrection, the disciples who had been trained for three and a half years, that they were ready to go. All right, now Jesus has resurrected. We spoke to him. Now we're ready to go. But Jesus said, no, wait, not yet. You need to wait until you receive power from on high so that you can be my witnesses. Every believer in Jesus Christ has his extended authority, but not many use their authority to much ability. And so the resource is available, yet it lies dormant. Christ has ultimate authority. Read through the Gospels, read through the New Testament. You know, really the Gospel is that we lost our relationship with God in the garden and with it our rightful authority to rule in partnership with Yahweh over the earth. And we gave that over to the high rebel of heaven. That authority, that jurisdiction became abdicated to the enemy. And so the enemy now has jurisdictional authority over the planet. But Jesus came to restore humanity back to its rightful jurisdiction and to empower us with the Holy Spirit. So that jurisdiction that the enemy had total control over, Jesus comes and he's like, I'm taking that authority back and I'm going to distribute it to my sons and daughters and they're going to, with my mission, same mission, dispel the works of darkness. Dispel the works of darkness. Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Do you see the scope of what he's talking about? Many people, we might get into this a little next week, but, uh, you know, it's pretty popular nowadays to kind of experiment with drugs like MDMA and uh, lots, of other, lots of those other drugs that kind of take you into this kind of realm 
That's the spirit realm. But it's a realm that you have no jurisdiction to be in. Jesus comes and says, I'm going to have dominion over the whole thing. And this burdened Paul for the people of God to see and capture this new reality because of what the cross and the resurrection did on a cosmic scale. Ephesians 1, we're going to camp out in this little section in Ephesians 1 and 2, and we're just going to kind of unearth what Paul is trying to communicate to not only the church in Ephesus, but to all of us, all the followers of Jesus Christ. He says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of what? God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. Oh, we'll, oh, yeah, we keep going. The church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. God's power, the ability to rule. Jesus has all the authority. He's the El Jefe of heaven. I was like, man, that's a, that's a good title. The El Jefe of heaven. No one or no thing has greater power or authority than Jesus. God placed all things under Jesus' feet, and Satan cannot stand against Jesus' authority. Okay? Okay. And it, and it puts into context this, this verse in Colossians that Paul writes. He says, He disarmed the power and authorities, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It's this... It's this sentence that illuminates a picture in people's minds of what Caesar used to do to conquered nations. When those nations, as Rome was expanding, uh, those conquered nations, they'd bring the king back with all his conquered soldiers and they would parade them through the streets of Rome, even before Caesar, and people would come out and they would mock that king. They would, they would you know, just like, hey, you're Rome now. We defeated you. We conquered you. We're stronger than you. But then, Paul says, no, 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 wait. Jesus does the same thing to all the dark forces in the heavenly realms. He defeated them. But now, it's the job of the church to begin to push back the forces of darkness and to disciple nations. That's God's mission. Always has been, always will be, until he comes. Ephesians 2, he keeps going. It says, once... You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You were spiritually dead. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. We're not as autonomous beings as we're led to believe we are. Either we're under the jurisdiction and domain 
of the God of this planet, low G, God, small g, God, or we're under the jurisdiction of Yahweh, King Jesus, who has the authority, greater authority than all the powers of darkness. And he goes on. Verse 4, it says, but God, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and what? Seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. We are united with Christ Jesus. Paul's trying to get across, hey, you aren't in the same position anymore. You thought you were that grounded eagle. No, no, no. God's made you to fly. And I want to remove the veil for you to see what actually has happened in the heavenly realms because of what Jesus has done. And that if you're in his family, you now have his authority, not your own, because we're broken vessels, but we carry his authority out into the world to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? But he raised us up and seated us with Christ. That, like, your, like your spirit is seated with Christ while you are now empowered to go about and be his agent out in the world. This new position. You were under the prince of darkness, the spirit of this world, but he brought you into the kingdom of his dear son. In that you flipped or you changed jurisdictions. When once Satan had jurisdictional authority over life, you are now under God's jurisdictional authority. Amen? Come on now. Let's go. Now you are learning from, you're hearing from, not of the world, but his word, his divine text. Hebrews 4, it says, his word is living and active and able to separate the soul and the spirit, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This book reads us. We don't read it. God's divine text is living and active. And as we get to know him, man, we yield to him. And it's like we obey what he says. This is the life that God has for all of us. And God is continuing to grow his church, his people, to better exemplify who the God of all creation is. And he has given you power and authority to defeat and conquer the forces of hell, to be a faithful Spirit-empowered son or daughter of God. And it's so many times, so many times. Here's the, here's the mind trap of all this. <laughs> Sometimes we default into thinking that we are disqualified instruments of God's demonstrated power because we're just normal people. Normal people with brokenness, with hurts, with things or aspects of our lives that have yet to be sanctified. But that's... God does not use perfect people. And that's actually what, what turns around and ends up glorifying God in the end in the process that he could use normal, everyday, still yet to be sanctified people, filled with his Holy Spirit, to bring his authority and his power to bear in your own life, in the life of your home in which you live, in the life of your family and your children, if you have them, the atmosphere, the place in which you work.
But this is not how God sees you. You are cleansed in the blood of Jesus. You're adopted in the family of God only because of what Jesus did for us. There's nothing that we did. It's all His grace that He handpicked and chose you to be His son or daughter. And we are now God's empowered and faithful sons and daughters. And you're seated with Christ. And this whole message is to kind of remove the veil from our eyes as God's sons and daughters. If you've yielded your life to him and you've said, man, I've given my whole allegiance to Jesus. I'm serving him. And I feel like God wants to remove this veil to what he's actually put inside you. You know, it would be kind of sad. You know, every once in a while you, I don't know if they, they publish them anymore, but they used to where if you had an old bank account that, you know, an old lost relative or whatever that, that you could look up. They used to publish them in the paper. That if you, if you had, a, a, like, extra cash in a, in, a, in a savings box or in an account, that they would let you know, hey, something uh, that you could get, you could actually, you could actually go get. They, they would let you know if there was stuff left over in the bank. They really don't do that so much anymore. But, um, you know, it's sad. You know, if, if you saw a person who may have lived a financially struggled life their whole life and then to come to find out when they're 80 they actually had a multi-million dollar bank account that they just didn't know existed that was in their name how sad would that be like oh my gosh what I could have done with that and I think I, I would hate for us to kind of get to the end of our life and realize wow I didn't know Jesus had given us so much authority and power to push back and dispel darkness as I, as I thought. Man, there was way more in the account than I thought there was. And I think what God wants to kind of open our eyes to is there's way more in the account than you think there is because of who you are in Christ. You're seated with him. And that's God's kingdom vision. On earth as it is in heaven, there's one king. He's King Jesus. And it's a kingdom of little Christs. That's what Rome saw for the first, when, when God's people were going around Rome. The negative name, the, like, they, they name called them. And they said they're Christians, which means little Christ. They were, they were walking around with the same mission and the same authority and the same power that Jesus had. But they continued his ministry and it turned the Roman world upside down. And when we look out in our culture, it's like, oh, man, the forces, there's giants out there. Yeah. But God's spirit is way more powerful. So have a greater adoration and a greater fear of God's power than what man can dream up. And in this season... I feel like God's kind of transitioning his church from kind of a peacetime mentality to a little bit more of a wartime mentality. That maybe we need to get, maybe a little, dial in a little bit more serious in our training and equipping as God's people. And to utilize every day for him to train you, to grow you, to mature you, to see you operate in this capacity this positional capacity that God has granted you. God wants to open your eyes to see the cosmic story that you're living in 
and how authoritative his spirit is within you in the spiritual realm and how powerful God's weapons are. And we're going to get into what are some of these weapons that God has gifted his people to push back and dispel the forces. It's not as uh, hyper-charismatic as you think it may be. Maybe it's some more of the simpler things that we've maybe lost the vision on of how truly potent and powerful certain things are as being a disciple of Jesus. And so I'm really excited for God to kind of take us through this little journey and God bring us out of our little rut of what it means to kind of be a follower of Jesus and bring us into kind of a new land, a new place for us to flourish and grow with Jesus. So the next few weeks we're going to camp out here. And I think God really wants to deposit something in us. Great. So uh, right now, I just want to transition to a little communion. I want to land this message with a little communion together. So um, if we could get the table kind of centered up here. If you've never done communion here at City Life, we kind of have the elements up here. So uh, you're all invited to participate. Uh, if you'd like to, just stand on up, come down the middle aisle, grab your elements, and then return back. And then... There's one other thing, since this is a, a special little message. I have a little card for you. So when you grab your communion, grab this card, and uh, we'll read it together later. So you don't have to, you know, get too distracted by it. But just grab a card when you come up for communion. So come on up. All are invited. With our elements here, let's, let's pray. Father God, we just pause our heart and our mind, God, right now to fix our attention and affection on you. God, we thank you so much for your broken body and your shed blood. God, to see mankind rescued from bondage, slavery of sin, to set them free to be who you've made them to be and walk in their original design as your sons and daughters. Father, I pray and thank you, God, for your sacrifice. There's nothing that we could have done to save our own life. But, Father, you went to great lengths to demonstrate who you are and, God, to free us from the curse of sin and death. So, Father, we just pause and we remember your sacrifice to bring us into your kingdom and your kingdom family. So, Lord, together as a family, Lord, we thank you for your broken body. Let's take it. And, Father, before you cried out, it is finished, God. Or right after you cried out, it is finished. God, they pierced your side. And you shed your blood. God, for our sin. And Lord, we thank you for your shed blood that covers over all of our sin and makes us new. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup. Father, pray that you would just percolate this message throughout our week. God, may we see ourselves with a new mirror, Lord, as your sons and daughters. 
God, I pray that, Lord, if there's any familiarity in this place, God, that you'd make it new in our hearts. And that, God, you'd train and equip us to be your people in this hour, in this nation, in our city, in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces, in our families. God, to be your light, to be your salt. Father, I pray that you would just take us and train us to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, with that, just a little, this little card, here's a little homework for y'all, huh? Um, but here's a little faith challenge. Read this right before you get up every morning this week and see what happens, okay? And so every, just have by your bedside, instead of your cell phone, instead of picking up that cell phone, checking up all that stuff, put this right by your bedside, and just kind of read this out loud, declare God's word out loud, first thing. And uh, so I want us to kind of practice it so you kind of get a little, little vibe, a little tone, you know what it's about. So let's all stand up, and we're going to read this together as we kind of get sent out. All right? So just imagining you're just kind of cracking out of that bed, morning, Monday, morning. Here we go. Let's read it together. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for today. I am a new creation in Christ. I am not the same anymore. The old life is gone. New life has begun. Therefore, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I will live from that place today. Lord, I die to myself and will follow you. Lead me and guide me throughout my day, Lord. I love you. Amen. Amen. So you get, little, you get your little faith pump on, go to that little spiritual gym, get spiritually fit this week, all right? All right, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.